Welcome back to another episode of Just Lose the Glasses. This is installment number nine. I'm Andrew and I'm here with... Jo. Nice to meet you too. Bonjour. Why, why the funny accent, Joe? And the chimpanzee like... It's not funny, like, it's like English. Oh. It's, <laughs> it's French. And you know why it's French? Is it because we're watching The Master? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. We're not watching The Master. <laughs> it's not on Netflix as we thought it was. So, yeah. Let's kick off with some news, shall we? Bit, Great, bit, yep. A bit of news. Bang! <clears throat> Clark Gregg, that was Clark Gregg, but I laughed. Clark Gregg, Jimon Hunsu. Bang! <laughs> Clark Gregg, Jimon Hunsu, and Lee Pace to reprise roles in upcoming Captain Marvel film. So I know you're excited about that. Bang! Yeah. John, John, John Cena. <laughs> John Cena? John Cena to play Duke Nukem. That's the end of that bit of news. Bang! Scarlett Johansson. I'm going to do that every time. To star in Taika Waititi's next film, Jojo, or Jojo, Rabbit, which will be a World War II film where Taika Waititi will play a fictional version of Adolf Hitler. See, I told you there'd be some Hitler news. Brilliant. <laughs> so hold on, the director is playing Hitler? Yeah, have you seen any of his films? He did not move one. Hunt for the Wild of People, uh, What We Do in the Shadows. They're excellent. You should watch them. Thor, Ragnarok. You look, apart from Thor, which I know you don't like Marvel, but you will genuinely love his films. It's so funny. He's hilarious, and now he's going to play a fictional version of Adolf Hitler, and I, I couldn't be more excited. He, he, he's a genius. He's a co- comic genius. That sounds good, but what is a fictional version? Of well, Hitler? it's like, you know, I imagine, you know, like Charlie Chaplin did The Great D- Dictator. It's like he's playing a Hitler type. A caricature. But it's, but it's not actually Adolf Hitler. It's like, yeah, it's like a version. Sort right, of, yeah. Okay. Taking liberties, like with Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll see when it comes out. But he's also, Taika Waititi is a New Zealand man, um, with brown skin, so I don't know how fictional version of Adolf Hitler is going to go, but I know it'll be hilarious. Maybe that's the only difference. Yeah, that, that, I, I'm, I know it'll be hilarious. He's like, so, good eye, and the name's Hitler? Yeah, but that's Australian, but yeah, he's not so good at the accents. But we'll, fair, that'll come up. New Zealand and Australia are very close. No, I, I would say it's closer to like South African. It's, really? Those it's, three are like linked. Those three are like, the closer you are to the South Pole, the more... I don't know if you know this, Joe, but actually, South Africa is quite far away. Geographically, no, 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 I realise that. But I know you did A-level geography. The, the, I got an A as well. I don't want to the you accents embarrass you. The, well, you have now. Live so. on this podcast? Yeah. Well, you did, you did degree-level French, so we'll come to that and we'll see how good at that you are, because we're doing French stuff. Um, but no, I'm actually excited for that. I think that'll be good. It's called Jojo Rabbit, so I don't know what that's got to do with anything, World War II, or, but it's going to be a... It's not spoof, not the right word, but a comedic take on the Holocaust. Maybe a, so, a satire of the Holocaust, yeah, yeah. just what we need. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, it's one area that you know people just don't joke about enough. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And when they do, they seem to just sort of back out of it, like the Nazi pug thing. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm sure it'll kill this role. Um, let's move on very swiftly to the main topic. Great. What's Which the main what, topic? Well, today? I think you should see it because you pronounce it a lot better than I do. Well, our main topic today is Jean-Pierre Jeunet and the films of films of yeah. Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Jean-Pierre Jeunet is a French, I believe, director. I think he's New Zealandish. Is he New Zealandish? <laughs> yeah. They're quite close. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The accents are very yeah, similar. So yeah. he's, a, he's a French director. Um, you may know him from films such as Amelie. That's his most famous. If you've ever that's... watched a French film, it's probably Amelie. Yeah. Imagine. You know, if, if, if you ever got seen this before, you ever ask someone, oh, "Have you seen any foreign films?" Yeah, I've seen Amelie. I'm 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 pretty well versed in foreign film. Yeah. You know, I've seen Amelie, which was the case. I mean, I've only seen like four foreign films, so I can't really say anything. But yeah, it's but that'll be the one. If you're thinking, who is this Jean Pierre Genet or Jean Pierre Genet? Uh, he's the director of Amelie and other. Films such as Delicatessen, City of Lost Children, 
Alien Resurrection, Mick Max. A very long engagement, and the young and prodigious T.S. Spivey. We should say we've only seen three of these. Um, so which films have you seen? So I've seen, the same as you, I've seen Amelie, Delicatessen, and The City of Lost Children. Great. I think, as is the norm of this podcast, we should review the other films anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, if, if we provide anything on this, it's wild and inaccurate opinions. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alien Resurrection, which I've spelt with th- way more R's than it takes, um, looks terrible. I di- I've only seen the first two. And the last two, Aliens, hmm. uh, the last two were rubbish, and I'm assuming the middle two were rubbish as well. Well, here's the thing. I haven't seen number three, but I've had someone describe it to me in great detail. Hmm. Doesn't great. she die? At the end of number three, she dies. Yeah. And I've read the sort of little blurb for number four. She's back. Which says, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, a resurrected Ripley. Yeah. Oh, it makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. Alien Resurrection. I guess like they maybe just called it Alien 4, and then realised everyone's like, well, why isn't she dead? So they go, like, oh, better change it to Alien Resurrection. Hmm. I wonder if, um, when there was all the promotional material, the A... In the alien was changed to a four. Would that just be genius or what? Yeah. I think did they not do that with Alien Three and make the E a three? Yeah, but of course you would, because it's genius. And what what if in the first alien the um the L was actually a one? Mm, maybe. Maybe I mean, in hindsight, <laughs> retrospectively they changed. Alien it. two, the S is a two yeah. Yeah. But then after that no one cares. Yeah, alien yeah. versus Predator, no one no one. Here's my question, right? So you've got Alien, Aliens, Alien Three. Surely it should go Alien, Aliens. Either Aliens 2 or Alien 2. Yeah, or aliens Or Aliens with an extra S. <laughs> yeah, Aliens. Yeah, um, but it looks rubbish, so I've not watched it. So do you reckon I'm, I'm, I'd be willing to take a punt or a stab in the dark that there's a lot of uh, religious allegory in this film? You would think Resurrection. so. Resurrection. I know there is in number three, mm. the David Fincher David one. David Fincher, which I've not seen. No yeah, one. apparently it's, it's sort of like riddled with religious references mm. to alliterate there. But... Um, I don't. I, I've I've read a review saying that despite the name, it doesn't actually have a lot in Resurrection. Really? Yeah. The only bit I've seen is when she. No, that's that's Alien Three. Doesn't matter. The bit where she like falls into the lava, like yeah, that's she dies. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Apparently, there's a, there's a very striking part with the dog in Number Three as well. Oh, I hear when you're watching like a horror sort of film and there's a dog. And involve the dogs because you like the dogs. Clear, the dogs not making it to the end. Mm. Do you know what I mean, I would love a horror film where all the family dies and the end is just the dog happily running away. I'd be like, yes, into freedom, yes, captors. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If, so I think if, in the monster, yeah. there's like there's like the Babadook leading the dog. Oh, that would be amazing. That. Yeah. So that's Alien Four covered. Because even demons must love dogs. I mean, who doesn't love dogs? Apart from cat people, cat people are crazy. Though. Who doesn't love dogs? Tell you who loves dogs. Don't say Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> they do, but for different reasons, and that's awful. Right. We'll move on to one, another one we haven't seen. A very long engagement, or yeah. a very long engagement, <laughs> well, as it's commonly I mean, known. Very long. That puts me off right away. Yeah. What's the runtime of the film? I don't know. Oh. Shall I find out? Yeah, go for that. You say some words while I find out. Well, yeah, a very long engagement. I believe it does star Marion Cotillard. Oh, I like her. She's, she's, as she's, well as Audrey Tattoo. Yeah. Marion Cotillard and Audrey Tattoo for those. Yeah. Um, not do not pretend- adjust your sets. This is- <laughs> You're not as pretentious as me. <laughs> yeah. And few of you are, so. Okay. Un long dimanche de fiancial, fiancé, whatever. It is a hundred. It's only one hundred and thirty-three minutes. It's not as long as he claims. It's not that long. I claim false advertisement. <laughs> yeah. Either that or the sped up times two. Yeah. I've had train journeys that lasted longer than that. <laughs> Lords. Um, but yeah, what do you think the story is in this one? <laughs> if I was the guess, right? If I was just to guess out of the blue, is it Audrey Tattoo and Marion Cotillard? Are they engaged? No. Oh. I can see your interest levels peaking yeah. every second. And um, straight away. 
So no, I believe I believe it is um, a story about an engagement, mm-hmm. a marriage engagement that lasts quite a long time. If you had to say which which war it was during, if you had to say, because it to does, guess. I would say the First it. World War. Wow, that is right. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The two that you could have guessed, that is the right one. Well, yeah. I think you're um, more likely to die in the Second World War. So. Okay. Okay. Keep, I'm just reading the. Is it to do with the letters sent in the trenches? The, the thing is, right, hmm. it's a very long engagement. There's only three paragraphs on Wikipedia, so it can't be that long. Do you know what mm. I mean? Maybe the most exciting part of the film is the engagement mm. part itself. You know what? Actually, it sounds a lot more interesting than actually... It's basically to do with um, uh, deserters and stuff in the in the French army and things like that, and oh. the, the corrupt legal system. Actually sounds pretty interesting. Is Should have watched this is... rather than City of Lost Children. Is this film in English or in French, Joe? Well, it, well it's French. Yeah. Yeah, it's in French. Is it? Oh. See, it's always good to do your research beforehand, isn't it? <laughs> during the podcast. Oh, no, I know. Who's, who's listening to this? This is like a live... This is, anyway, let's move on to uh, Mick Max. Mick Max. Um, tell me what it's about. Well, Joe, you've got the computer in front of you there, so you can probably this see is, what no, like this has got a... This is... Oh, this is a lot shorter. It's only 105 minutes. That's barely a film. That's that. like the pilot of a TV show. I've had showers longer than that. Yeah. Like... But it's it's got a lot on Wikipedia, so I've had um, engagement with that one. So yeah, it's a French film about French people doing French. Is things. it a heist? The film, film is billed as a satire on the world arms trade. That sounds incredibly boring. Moving on, the young and prodigious T.S. Spivet. It's about a child. It's got Helena Bonham Carter in it. It's uh, only 105 minutes. What is his problem with making long films? This isn't a long. The podcast's longer than that. <laughs> It's not. It's not at we all. We can play it? the film in the background. <laughs> yeah. Right, everyone, we're going to watch it together and then we'll talk about it. No, so that's us skimming over the, um, you know, films we haven't seen. So now for some really interesting and in-depth analysis of the films we have seen. To be fair, Joe, I don't want us to go too deep because I think what we've just covered there was like, for our listeners, probably too deep. Yeah, okay. So for the films we have seen yeah go for it we've already mentioned Amelie Delicatessen and City of Lost Children now I personally think I don't know what order you watched them I think I've watched them in the right order for me to enjoy them Mm -hmm. so I watched Amelie first sort of a while ago we watched Delicatessen a few months ago and then I watched City of Lost Children this week and they gradually get weirder like every like in that order Amelie is probably an entry level if you wanted to get into Jeunet Delicatessen's very weird but City of Lost Children is so weird like it's if I'd watched City of Lost Children first, I probably wouldn't have watched any of his others, to be honest. Because mm. I did not enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. City of Lost Children is a deep cut. Yeah, it's, it doesn't really make sense. Um, which one do you want to talk about first? Why don't we start with Amelie, the, the one you watched first? Okay. The notes I have written here are Amelie, Audrey Tattoo. That is it. Great. Yeah. So you take us off. Brilliant. Audrey so, Tattoo's in it. It's yes, Obviously, it's directed by... Jean-Pierre Sonnet. Jean-Pierre It's got Audrey Tattoo and Matthew Kasovitz. Is He's the guy. Is he, that's he's in the, all of them. The, yeah, the, the, he's good. The I like him. Yeah, he's good. So basically it's about Audrey trying to find love, isn't it? She works in a little cafe in France. Well, sort of. She's a bit of an introvert, isn't she? Yeah. Through our weird upbringing from our strange kind of like a sweet introverted lady. Yeah. Um, old lady. Didn't say old lady. Oh, young lady, for those who also thought he said old lady. Um, but no, she's very introverted and she doesn't really like spending time with other people. And then she starts doing like little acts of kindness for people. And then she maybe finds a bit of love. In Matthew Kasovitz, yeah. yeah. Um, he kind of like sort of leaves her little notes and all that kind of stuff, sort of the, the sweet French way. Yeah. Comes into the cafe where she works and she gets all embarrassed and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, basically it's kind of like a, a nice, friendly, bright, colourful, upbeat, it's kitsch, a good film. It's a really good movie. Film. It's a, he's like the French Wes Anderson in this film. In this yeah, film. I would say so, yeah. It's in the others, he's a French Tim Burton. 
That's yeah, yeah, I get that, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but it's a very kitsch film, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Like, very arty, kind of almost to the sake where, like, there's no such thing as, like, almost bad or suffering in the film. Like, yeah. Um, and, and, and just say, with the regards to the Wes Anderson comparison, there's a lot of shots that reminded us of Wes Anderson. There's a lot of um, symmetrical shots. There's, mm. a, there's obviously a bright colour palette, as we've mentioned. Although, as is the case with a lot of his films, it's every film I've seen so far from him is like a yellow tinge yeah. like every film has got like he's put like a yellow lens over the front which I think it's obviously a, a creative choice but it's it puts his own mark on the film that's like. exactly what I was going to say yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You, could, you could look immediately and by seeing only one frame you can tell it's him you know if you were to rate Emily out of 10 what would you give it Ooh. 7 7 yeah. I'd give it an 8 yeah. I would watch it again yeah. I probably will watch it again yeah I yeah. think I will um, okay let's move on to Delicatessen this is my favourite of his. Um, you know I love a film that takes place in one place. Oh, and yeah. it pretty much takes place it's like in one building. a tower block, yeah. yeah. Um, so the um, story of this film... <laughs> I struggle to think of that. The story of this film is... It's set in like a post-apocalyptic sort of world. That's the impression you get. Like Dystopian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, literally the only thing we see is this sort of building... Hmm. It's in like a street, I think, but you don't really see anything around it. Yeah, it's all shrouded well, in mist. At the very least, you see a couple of other streets. Maybe like you see a bit of the, um, mm. the subterranean sewers yeah, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, and they, there's sort of various people live in this uh, in this building. Very interesting, kitsch people. Did I use that right? Um. No, <laughs> no. But there's lots of very you know different, strange, quirky people, yeah. and they live above a butcher shop, hence delicatessen. Yeah. Mm. And the hook of the film is there isn't much food, and every so often someone gets murdered and eaten by everyone. Yes. Knowingly, everyone knows, apart from our protagonist mm. Max Krennic or whatever. He yep, he's just moved into the area. And he's taken up residence mm-hmm. in the building, yeah. and he's obviously completely oblivious to the fact that the butcher is, you know, receiving the human meat, human meat, yeah, and selling it as well. And people are itching to get some. Yeah, and all we sort of we see the different families who live in the same building. Yeah, and they're always there's always seems to be something missing in the family. They're not they're not very happy. They're always either cheating on each other or yeah. they're using each other and all that kind of stuff. And um, <laughs> there's one woman who's constantly trying to commit suicide. Yeah, but every time it's like something throws it off, like it doesn't just. It's, it's, that's really yeah. funny. Yeah. One of the things that actually Jean Pierre Jeunet uses quite a lot, he uses both in this film and in City of Lost Children, is that like a, a really weird sequence of events. Yeah, that sort of causes something in the plot to move. So. Like like a totally disparate things that wouldn't like so minute little things that you don't think would have an effect but do. Yeah, so um, we'll we'll get to what it is in City of Last yeah. Children shortly, but in, in Delicatessen, the one tries to commit suicide and like a, like a drop of water causes yeah. something to move. And, yeah. You know, the, the chain of events causes her to not commit suicide. Yeah. And, so it like disconnects the electricity before the thing falls into the water yeah. so she can't die. So. And there's like there's the bloke who lives in the, the amphibious room full of frogs, which is just strange. Yeah. He's eating them, isn't he? He's eating them. I would, I would assume he is. Yeah, he's, he's there's, bo- a, there's been a hundred frogs. Well, I was going to say, he's both, um, there's both a lack of food and he's French. So like, out, like well being stereotypical, you would assume he's eating the frogs. Either that or if they're eating people, they're eating frogs. Well, I mean, either that or he just loves the frogs and he's amassed them all to himself so no one can eat them. Mm, maybe. Mm. If this was made by an English person, mm. I would say he's definitely eating the frog. <laughs> but maybe because it's made by a French person, maybe he's not. Maybe he's trying to stay clear. But I don't know. It's a bit, surely it's meant to imply that. If maybe you're it's a little joke, like sort of in Jakarta, yeah, 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 yeah. There was no horses though, <laughs> or snails. Was there snails? Did he have snails? Don't remember it. Don't remember it. Uh, escargot. Nice one. Yeah. Here's the um. Here's the thing, though, right? 
how many frog would it take for a meal? Like, you don't have frogs like as a meal, you have as like a little sort of. I've never side. had a frog. Is a frog just a snack? You know, you're running for the bus, you got on the bus, you haven't got time, <laughs> you haven't got time during your day to, you know, pop and get a meal or whatever, you've got time for your lunch, just whip a frog out, chop its head off, chow yeah, down. Just, it's not a full meal. Mm. So you're asking me how many frogs it would take a fill a man? Is well, that what you're well, asking? My, my point really was, like, if he is eating the frogs, like, surely that's not going to satisfy him, like, you're going to have to have a bit more than the frog. But if it's the frog or nothing, mm. you know... I still, go for, I still go for you know, Jenny next door. Would you? Yeah, yeah. Jenny, yeah. Which one's Jenny? I mean, I don't know. No, I know, but I think which one were you thinking? Because if it's the main protagonist girl, I wouldn't eat her because she was very nice. She was very sweet. Um, and I was disappointed to find that this film came out in the 90s and she's like 50 now. <laughs> but. <laughs> you still have a chance, too. I know, but yeah. So yeah, the the man, the fella, Max, was his name Max? Or am I just making that up? Like the, the actor's name. We'll call him Max, yeah. The yeah. actor's name. We'll oh, Dominique. No, the guy who's in all of them that you just said is in Amelie, who's the, the, the guy who falls in love with Amelie. You said his name. Matthew Kasovitz. Yeah. He's not in it. He is. No, he's in Amelie. He's not another one. Okay, whatever. It's a different guy. This guy, whatever. The guy who's also in City of Lost Children is about 10 characters, right? Yeah. So he's the handyman in this building, and everyone assumes because he's the newest, he's going to get murdered. And I think that's that's the butcher's intention. Yeah. Um, but then through some strange events, an old woman ends up getting killed instead. Yeah, she falls on the stairs. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of... A little bit unnerving that scene, but like for such a dark premise, it never really gets too dark. It's quite lighthearted. It's quite mm. fun, which I did enjoy. But yeah, this handyman sort of falls in love with the butcher's daughter, who somehow has this really good life. Like mm. the butcher, like provides everything for he her. Yeah, protects her a bit. Yeah. Um, so their their love, their blossoming love was was nice. I enjoyed that. Mm. I like a good love story in the middle of a dystopian future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it had sort of the on top of that there was the underground sort of <laughs> training. On people. top of that there was the underground. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Puns. Good one. So yeah, the, the sort of people oh, who lived in the sewer. These guys <laughs> lived in the sewer, yeah. and they kind of were on a rescue mission, trying to stop things going on and trying to yeah. take down the delicatessen. Yeah. Why? I guess they were like you know anti cannibal. Well, yeah, I suppose that's a. I suppose if you want to be, you know, if you want to come down on one side of the fence, I suppose, that's, you know, there's all sorts of people. Um, but they didn't seem to give any other propositions. If we don't eat humans, what do we eat? Frogs. Good point. That guy's it. got like a thousand. Yeah, that's what they were. They live in the sewers. There's probably millions of frogs on there. They're like, come on, guys, there's frogs on yeah. here. Frogs galore. Would you eat a human if there was nothing else? No, I wouldn't think I would. I definitely wouldn't. <laughs> like, if I was in the wilderness now, in this non... Well, sort of dystopian sort of world we live now. If I was in the wilderness and I had to kill something to survive, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I really? could kill something. We're coming back to this topic very soon. Are we? Here we are, yeah. Is this to do with the blatant refuse? It is, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this was my favourite of the three. I'll tell you what's a really good scene. It's towards the end when everyone in the building is trying to kill this handyman. And apart from the girl who he's in love with, and they're both in the bathroom and they fill it with water, and then it explodes. That that was a good scene. Yeah, it was I cool. enjoyed that scene. It's cool. Uh, Very actually, similar shape yeah. of water, and there's another film where they filled the bathroom with a, the Paddington, the first Paddington. <laughs> Brilliant. All great films. <laughs> you oh. decide which one was best. I wonder if Paddington was referencing this one. Yeah, probably. Yeah, mm. he does eat a person, so you know. Paddington, but, but he is a bear, so you know. Oh. He doesn't actually. I was going to say, okay. Well, should we move on to City of Lost Children? We, we should, yeah. The worst of the three. I, I quite enjoyed this, actually. I think I liked it more than Delicatessen. Again, a very dark premise. Yeah, v- very. I've written here, very strange, deeply unsettling. Like, <laughs> like more unsettling than Delicatessen, which I think had maybe a more sinister mm. um, sort of hook to it. 
Uh, this was just just constantly un- there's like an unsettling tone all the way through it. Yeah, uh, and also children get kidnapped. Yeah, so <laughs> is that we kind of figure out there's this there's this bald French guy. Yeah, and he's um, most of them are French in the film actually. Yeah, um, apart from Ron Perlman. Yeah, he's Who not pre- French. No, neither is his character. No, he's not. He's like Eastern European. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the yeah, yeah the, um, this bald French guy who like hasn't got a soul. Yeah, and he's, he's a clone. To... Is he a clone? Yeah, he's a clone, and he he was like the first one of the first clones, and he's aged faster. That's why. Right. He's yeah, yeah, so was... yeah. He like he's like the same as the others, I think. Mm. But he's aged a lot faster. But he hasn't got a soul because he's evil. and he wants to experience dreams, but he can't have his own dreams or memories. So what he does is he captures children and sort of steals their yeah. But, but because they're stealing children, all of the children are scared and have nightmares. Yeah, he's wondering why the children have all got nightmares instead of dreams. It's like because you're stealing yeah, them. while he's captured them from their family and holding them hostage on an oil rig in the middle of the it, sea. Well, he lives like in an oil rig surrounded by mines, so no one can. He's completely inaccessible. Yeah. With him are six clones of a guy. Yeah. As well as a tiny woman and a brain <laughs> in a, te- in a, in a, yeah, in which, a fish which tank. To fail, yeah. yeah, a brain. Hooked up to some, um, what do you call those things um, that you put records in? Oh, like a, a gramophone. Yeah, a gramophone, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It was weird, yeah. yeah. The, the film starts incredibly weird. Mm. So, the first thing is, it's like through a window and you're sort of panning through the window. And it's like Christmas and there's, you know, it's all, there's the Christmas tree and it's all lovely. And there's a little, um, what they call like nutcracker sort of thing. Yeah, and he's yeah. like smiling and there's a teddy bears and there's a kid and he's looking all excited. And then Santa comes down the <laughs> chimney and we're like, yay, Santa. And he hands him a toy and then another Santa comes. And then a third. And there's like 10 Santas and the kid starts crying. I didn't know Santa could be so creepy. Like, <laughs> yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like. I'm never going to be able to look at Santa. I'm going to be honest. Way. It took me a while to realise that this wasn't the first trailer. Mm. I realised this was actually the film. Yeah. It's, um, that, that, just from the start, it's just totally unsettling. Mm. Just, and it doesn't yeah. let up. And then sort of, then you realise that this is a dream that he's watching along with a kid. So it's a kid's dream of how the kid got yeah. kidnapped, basically. Yeah. And then they all start screaming. <laughs> yeah, they're all just crying their eyes out and screaming. And the, the six clones are all just not sure what to do, yeah. trying to cheer the guy up and laugh and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then we discover that he's a clone and that kind of yeah. stuff. Then uh, we shoot to the island where, the, where the, um, the rest of the events sort of take place. Yeah. And Ron... Ron Perlman, Perlman, the strong man. He's the strong man. So basically he's um, in chains and there's a guy beside him saying, oh, here we have the magnificent... Um, strong. strong man he can break out of any train um, make sure you don't look in his eyes because the concentration can you make your head explode all kind of stuff and he sort of tries to break out of the chains um, this scene actually I'm not sure if it's intentional or what but it's almost sort of play by play exactly what happens in the film La Strada it's an Italian film by Fellini um, which you should definitely watch and um, sort of 50s, 60s film and the idea of the strong man trying to break out and the kid's character was almost identical to the one in La Strada as well yeah. cool. um, it'll They'll throw back to the sixties. Uh, yeah, and uh, the guy gets stabbed. Yeah, so his boss gets stabbed and he's stuck in the chains. He manages to get out, but the first thing he does instead of helping the boss is run over to his little brother and take care of him. Yeah, and then his little brother gets kidnapped by these men with who can't see, but they've got like bionic eyes which they can see through. This is again a really weird thing because it's not really explained where they then, came from. They're yeah. not humans, apparently. Yeah, and then like about halfway through the film, they're never seen again. <laughs> like it's weird. They're creepy. Um, I want to sort of mention something about them a bit later but yeah so he gets kidnapped and then we basically go on this thing of Ron Perlman trying to get his brother back he makes this little trip of thieves basically kids little and, kids yeah yeah fun and the, the little girl who's called Crumb yeah or not Miet isn't it Miet 
I mean, it's Crow. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So if you you watched it in English, dubbed over, didn't you? Yeah, but they called that Miet. I watched it in French, which is called Miet, but then yeah. in the subtitles it's called Crow. Oh, okay. So yeah. a little behind the curtain. And there's a lot of little puns on her name and stuff. Like what? So like there's a bit in it when someone says, you know, there's not going to be one crumb of them left. He's like, oh, crumb. Yeah. So, yeah. I didn't get that because it just said Miet. Yeah. <laughs> there's not going to be a Miet of them left. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's um, English. Yeah. But yeah, so, and then they're sort of trying to find, but find the brother. But like, it's, the plot for me was very scattered. Like, mm. it wasn't very focused. It was all over the place. It's like women who are conjoined, but not really, they're not even twins. Well, you know, they're conjoined at the foot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 because he like kicks her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they're, they're not good people. Um, and there's a funny bit in that actually as well, the little joke, because they basically they speak almost exactly the same words at the same time. Yeah. They can join at the foot, but they seem to say exactly the same thing, like speak in unison. There's one bit when one of them goes, Are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's, it's good. I mean, so, so they, they're going to stay a safe, and then they do, but then they just drop the safe in the river and they chase after these guys with the eye. It was a bit strange. Yeah, so basically the whole thing is that these people of the eye are capturing kids, bringing them to... The, yeah, the rig. The bald-headed guy. Selling them, pretty Selling much. them for money. At the same time, there's a group of thieves who are working for someone else who actually is also working for the um, the guy with, guys with the eyes. Yeah. So there's an almost interconnected system yeah. of, you know, to control yeah. everything. So the kids all go to one place, the money all goes to one place. It's kind of like a dystopia as well. Yeah. So at one point, uh, Ron Perlman and the girl try to um, steal back the brother mm. from the people one eye, but they they get overpowered and they're gonna. It's quite cool what they thought. So they tie them up. Uh, they sort of dangle them over the river on this uh, on a plank of wood each, and then they it's weighted with like a bucket full of fish, mm. and they sort of leave it there. And then the girls start coming in and eating. It. I thought that was that was good. I like that. Yeah, it was clever. So once the girls finish it, then yeah, they'll, they'll tip in. Yeah, but then flee. Fleas. So this is possibly the, the weakest part of the film. Mm, yeah, explain it. So Talk basically, there's, there's this guy who's in it. Um, the guy who's the butcher in the Delicatessen. Yes, exactly. He's, he's in Delicatessen as well. He's the butcher. He is a, a Frenchie. Yeah. And um, he is some sort of... He used to own this carnival where there was freaks. Yeah. And that's where the woman with... Well, the women who joined at the foot yeah. worked at. And... Um, they kind of he's just sort of lying about letting the, the dog just licking his foot yeah, and he's like sleeping all the time and doing drugs yeah, and stuff drugs and um, he didn't seem very happy with his life no. and they sort of control him now as opposed to the way around yeah. he gets told to intervene with this and capture Ron Perlman and yeah. let the little girl die so that they can find out where the safe is I'm assuming exactly yeah, yeah. Um, so he attempts to take Ron Perlman back but he ends up feeling sorry for him, yeah. how, how does it? Sorry, how does yeah, it? Like, he's this got the these. Kid. He's got these little fleas, and they carry, which are, which are a lot motion. larger in the film than they are in real life. Right? Yeah, like, he I, can see them, but they're like they're like microscopic. I say little fleas are huge. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I'd say the size of um, smaller than you listening at home, mm. but larger. We don't, we don't than know that, Joe. We don't know that. Yeah, uh, I'd say it's about the size of a pimple. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a lovely thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. smaller than a pea. Yeah, so he basically he's got these fleas, and they carry around these vials of. We'll see some sort of chemical for now and mm-hmm. uh, the, the, a dog carries it to the where the men with one eye are and then he <laughs> plays this music on a box which was fun I enjoyed that bit and then the flea jumps on him and he t- sort of sticks him I didn't understand straight away what was happening yeah. I think I'd zoned out for a few minutes and then I come back in and this one guy with with the one eyes is stabbing all the others through the eye which I hate because I hate eyes being touched 
especially with sharp knives. Mm. But it's, it's funny though, because the way he does it is so horrific. Like they can only see through this bionic eye, and you, can, you, you get to see like what they see. And he like unplugs their eye, yeah. so they can't see, and then stabs them through the eye. The and then the second one, it's un- yeah. unplugs his eye, plugs his eye into the guy is about to kill Zai so that he can watch him str- be strangled to death. Yeah. It's so weird. What the guy sees in is himself being killed. Yeah, from the perspective of the murderer. Yeah. But it's basically because this chemical he's been stabbed with, it turns them murderous. Like, it'll, it just makes them want to kill yeah, yeah. their friends, basically. Mm. So that was strange. The f- it's quirky, but it's strange. Yeah, so that happens, that sort of reoccurs a couple of times during the film's a little device. But there's one bit in it when... The only reason I'm comparing this is because they're both the exact same colour of luminous green. There's yeah. a bit when the water, yeah. there's a dream that gets captured and put into a bottle oh. and put into the water. Can I guess what you're going to... Oh, go on. What are we going to say it's like? Because I'm... Right, what is it? I was going to say either Flubber or Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, yeah. That's right. what I was thinking. So, yeah, right. yeah, there's this dream that gets captured and put in the bottle and it transports its way down and it goes underwater and this guy picks it up and this guy turns out to be the... The guy who is the original of the six clones, by the way, just a complete coincidence. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he picks this up. This is the... so com- it's right. It's really convoluted to watch. It's even more convoluted to hear back. Like honestly, <laughs> so he manages to get this bottle, and he doesn't have a clue what it's. He's basically lost his mind, so he doesn't know what it is. And he drops it, and it comes out. The dream comes out, and it sort of it travels across the city as like, this green smoke, which takes on a form. It looks. It looks like the thing from Ghostbusters. Yeah, a mixture of that or Flubber movie. Yeah. You know, and it sort of goes in people's noses. I don't know why their noses. They'll start screaming. Yeah, they start like, screaming, and they start. Visual- like visualising yeah. what's happening um, they see the oil rig and what's happening to the children yeah. as if they didn't already know them, and then Crumb sees it so she now knows where it is blah yeah. blah but yeah Crumb goes into the water the, guy, the original clone saves her that's, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. that was a strange scene I didn't, I didn't love yeah, that yeah. and then Ron Perlman gets drunk and then he's suddenly not drunk because he's wet like that's, that, I love that in films where it's like right he's steaming drunk like he's unconscious throw him in the lake and then when he comes up again, he'll be totally sober. That's not how it works. You just come up. You you're probably drawing. Yeah. <laughs> if you come up, you're soaked and wet, and you're still steaming drunk. So Where's don't try think? this at home, kids. Uh, well, it doesn't work. This film, right? It's like well, I guess all three of these films are not very realistic. Like they're like, <laughs> yeah. surreal. They're in French, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just don't be picture in French. What earth? <laughs> so, uh, for example, another thing, right? Whenever the woman with who's joined at the foot, the three-legged she, woman, exactly woman, right. Yeah. yeah, when she well. Three-legged women, right? Yeah. Who are actually just one. Yeah. Get back to that, right? She she dies and gets thrown into this gasoline Spoiler. thing, right? And sorry, yeah. This is much later on. Yeah. <laughs> one bit that happened. Like, how we know she's dead is that her joined shoe comes up into the oh, water. I wasn't even watching it that. Yeah. Point. So basically, it's that, that kind of film. Is like yeah. it's, it, it tells you things and it does little things that are not realistic, but it's just to let you. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, Ron Perlman gets drunk and then he's not drunk and then he's with the kids. And then the kids abandon him except for the girl. And then they're going to try and find this. The, they're still trying to find the brother, the little kid. And then for some reason, they know that they need to find this guy with a tattoo who has the, the thingy of the mines. He's got a tattoo on his head of the map of the mines. I mean, <laughs> why? <laughs> it's a bit weird. <laughs> like, um, Overall, though, I'd say that if you were just to give the gist of the story, it's about Ron Perlman trying to find his little brother. From, it is. From these three eyed slash one eyed people who've captured him. And give them to the guy who's bald. To the clones. He wants to steal his dreams. So in a nutshell, that's what it is. But yeah, do you want to talk about the bit with the sequence of events? So the women with three feet, they uh, they corner Ron Perlman and the little girl at the docks, and they they get a fleet to bite him again. Um, and he turns. Uh, and he, he starts yeah. slapping the girl, which I didn't enjoy. But I equally didn't enjoy the whole sexual tension between this little girl and Ron Perlman, who's about forty in this. <laughs> Have you seen Leon the Professional? 
No, um, there's, like there's uh, my favorite actress. What you call again? Natalie Portman. Yeah, yeah. She's like twelve in it, and there's the f- the French guy, the really famous French. He's in Godzilla. That's the only film. Jean Reno. Yeah, and he's like fifty, and there's like she's trying it on with him. Like the sexual, he's he's not sexually attracted to her, but she's trying it on. Like she's, it's similar in this. There's a bit where they're like sleeping together. You know, it's fine having a bit of a, a spoon because it's outside and it's dystopian. And the, but like, what was he doing? He's like rubbing her face or something like it was weird he was breathing on her neck and she's like what are you doing he goes rabbi yeah like it was just weird do you know what I mean like yeah. I saw really if, if I if I had to pick between him absolutely slapping the hell out of her <laughs> or the sexual tension I preferred the slapping the hell yeah, out of so her yeah so there's a bit that clarifies as well is that um, she gets asked by the little boys do you love this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you in love with him? And she just doesn't answer. And they're like, ah, oh, we see how it is. Yeah. And then later on in the film, she's like, so um, are you going to look for a wife? He goes, yeah. yes, I think I will. What kind of wife? He's like, I don't know yet. Oh, well, uh, a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> no, then, so while, while she's asking this question, he's like massaging her foot as well. Ah, oh, no. So and the, the, uh, he's, he carries her as well. So why is he massaging her feet? But yeah, so the cornered, and then so right, so there's a, a sequence of events. He slaps her, yeah. a tear comes out of her eye, <laughs> and then it like hits a window, which disturbs a bird, and the bird's like chirping at this dog, and then I got confused. I don't know what happened. So then yeah, the dogs bark, another bird moves, the bird poos in someone's windshield, the guy crashes, crashes in, and then the water, the water goes springs up. up. The water then causes some rats who are on a little um, shelf to get. Stream. Is this the part where one dog goes and starts having sex with another dog? Yeah, and the flea passes on. Oh, no, that's a different bit. It's a different, is that a different bit, yeah. It's a completely different oh, bit. Oh my days. Yeah, it's... so the, the water then. Did you really enjoy this film? Because <laughs> honestly, the more I think about it, the less I'm enjoying it. So yeah, basically, and then. Oh, okay, so the water, and then that somehow leads to the electricity going out. Oh, yeah. right, so the water goes up, and then something happens. There's, these rats come flying out of the sewer. Oh, and they go into this, like. Um, Strip club ish sort of thing. Yeah. All the girls run out. The guy who's up the telephone wire looks at the guy. He's like, oh, and then he does something wrong, and all the electricity goes off on the island, which makes a lighthouse light go out, which makes a massive ship crash into the dock where these people are. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't write it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, did. like, like when Jenner's writing it, and he's like, hot, and he's like, getting a bit where like I don't know, like. Even when the tear comes out of Ryan, hits the window, which disturbs the bird, he'd be like, ah, oh, this is far-fetched. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, happened, right? He was sitting right there, and then Ron Perlman would slap the girl many times. Like, what happens next? What happens next? Uh, when we find a way for this to stop, how will it stop? I don't well, know. I, I, don't I, know. I would love for some uh, strippers <laughs> to run off out of a strip club. We can, can we get that in somewhere? We, can we need a tear. A tear from the girl. Oh, my days. <laughs> oh, and like the tear flies like a hundred yards. <laughs> it does, yeah. She, uh, she's moving her head backwards, but the tear goes oh, forwards. Oh, yeah. But um, the tear comes out and it like, there's like a slow motion pan and we like follow the tear. And I mean, I was already checked out at this point. I was like, what is going on? Do you know what I mean? I was just like, why? But anyway, the ship comes in, they jump off, and then, like, for some reason, the three-footed woman, women, stand there, just sort of like, ah, oh, I'm definitely going to face down this massive ship coming towards us, and it stops right in front of them. And they laugh. And they laughing, and it just... But it, like, it pans up in a typical Junior fashion. He, he lingers on things for so long, right? He pans up and up and up, and they laugh for, like, a solid minute. Yeah. Like, I'm just, Cackling them. But all I could think was, like, when they were filming it, they must have had to laugh for like hours, like of actual film, and just like, right, can you can you laugh for like, because it's like a minute solid. And the mm. amount of times, like thirty seconds in, you would have like caught your throat or like messed yeah. it up somehow. Yes, yeah. Interestingly, oh. bit of trivia: 
They were actually. I thought at first it was like the same actress. Yeah, so did I. Two yeah. separate. Yeah, that's what I thought. Identical. Because I was watching the credits and it's just two separate women. I'm like, oh, I thought it was just the same actress Twice, yeah. with a mirror in between. <laughs> that would have been a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, at the start of the film, when you see them first, you don't realize where they're joined. Yeah. You I assume it's like the hip. To yeah. Begin well, with, you, but you you see like just one hand each. Yeah. And they're kind of being lazy. The other one, and yeah. they're sitting talking away all kind of stuff. And then the more they you see them, like. Where are they joined? Are they yeah, even joined? Yeah. And then you it's find out you see the feet. Yeah, yeah, they sort of show you later on in the film that they're under the foot. But then, so Ron Perlman and little crumbs in the water, and then the two women for some reason are like poking them with a stick. <laughs> I would have loved it if he grabbed it and like pulled them in because he's mm. a strong man. But then they start pouring gasoline down, and then they're going to set it on fire. And then in a match, and the, la- the, the match, like they light it and they throw it down towards the gasoline, and before it hits it, the, the wind. Oh, I didn't even say that. Takes the, the fire off the match. So that's well. The thing is, that I always think that in films, because I've seen films where like they light a match and then they like, throw it to the fire. Now, I don't know if, home, if you've ever tried to light a match. Sometimes it goes out just in the motion of lightning <laughs> from like striking the match to when your arm comes to the... It, it goes out, do you know what I mean? It, there's no way if you throw it, it's staying lit. There's no <laughs> way. But anyway, and then the fella comes who owns the fleas and he like shoots them or something. No. And it was just strange. And then they die and... A lovely end. The film's still not over. There's yeah. still like half an hour to go, and then they decide to get in a boat. I don't know why they didn't do that like 20 minutes ago. Mm. Get in a boat, go to the mine. They don't even go. You don't even see them. Oh, we need to get past these mines. Spend 10 minutes trying to find the bloke with the map for the mines. We don't even see them try to get past the mines. We, they just get there, climb up, run around a bit, fight a dwarf, shoot her through the thing, save the children. There's a weird Bob bit. Yelled off. Yeah, there's a weird. <laughs> There's a bit where the young girl has to go and fight this old man with the bald head um, in a dream. It's like Inception <laughs> yeah. at this point, yeah, but nowhere near as good. And she gets older, and he gets younger, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm. And then she starts like whirling him around <laughs> and stuff, and then they just leave. I think at that point, he, the, his whole world collapsed because he, for the first time, is put in the place of a child. Yeah, but equally... Um, the, the Ron Perlman's brother they have a connection he, the old man has a connection with him because he's the only child who's not scared of him because mm. he's a really scary bloke when he dresses up as Santa and he's like right in the faces like smile I'm like that's, that's... Right, sorry can we just go to that scene for a second right, that's the most that's the most difficult scene to watch is when um, the bald guy is dressed as Santa and he's singing to all these kids yeah. it must last about 10 minutes I know, and they all start crying and like obviously like as humans we're hardwired to be uncomfortable by people crying especially children <laughs> It's so I hard to watch. 20 of them just gurning. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's just so hard. And he's, and then, he's singing and he's, he starts off really jolly but yeah. then it becomes more like sort of like as they start crying. Sinister. Yeah. And then by the end he's like screaming at them. But the thing is like once the first one started crying and then the others start crying because the first one wouldn't he just give up? He keeps going for like a solid three minutes of yeah. singing. I'm like just, just stop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they run around, they save the children, they blow up the oil rig, and that is the end. And it turns out the one with the beard was the original. Not that it actually matters. Mm. But it's quite funny um, that he ties himself to it for some reason, because he's mad. And then he, a page falls down, and he realises he's the original. He, he is the scientist who created all the others. And he sort of snaps out of his madness. And he's like, oh no, like, I don't want to die anymore. And a bird lands on the thing and it explodes. Yeah. And I was like, thank God this film is over. <laughs> <laughs> I was so well, sick of it. So one last little thing before we finish um, on this topic. The um the kid of Ron, well, the brother of Ron Perlman, like <laughs> he always does eat, eat, yeah. he eats and burps. Well, they just needed to give him a character trait without speaking. So yeah, and what one of the main things he does is look directly at the camera as well. Yeah, not very good child acting. <laughs> okay, um, we didn't rate delicate person. Yeah, what would you give it? Uh, seven. Seven. I give it an eight. City of Lost Children. I give it an eight. Two. <laughs>
I've, 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 I've uh, revamped my rating system. Oh, so okay. two, two is like did not enjoy. <laughs> like, well, I quite enjoyed it. For anyone who wants all those flaws we talked about, I still enjoyed it. Good look, film. to be honest, if we're saying to someone who's not seen any of these, has not seen any foreign films, watch Amelie. Like that's that's your entry level sort mm-hmm. of thing. You know, if you like that, go to Delicatessen. If you like that, probably don't watch City of Lost Children because it's absolutely rubbish. Any other French films you could recommend for them to watch? Um, not that I've, I've got one that I haven't seen yet. But I'm looking forward to watching. It's called um, Les Magasins de Suicide, the okay. Suicide Shop, and it's an animated film about a kid. It's, it's uh, his family runs a shop that sells things to kill yourself, um, and the kid is everyone's like depressed, and the kid is like happy, and he sort of spreads his joy in the family. I assume that's what happens. Yeah. But the animation looks really good. It's like nothing I've seen before. Mm. So I'm looking forward to watching that. So if someone, you know, that that could be a good recommendation. What yourself? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I recommend the film L'Appartement with Vincent Cassel and Monica Bellucci. What's it about? It's about this man who, um, well, it's kind of like, I would say almost like a, a very serious, novel romantic rom-com mm-hmm. about this man who's married, or about to get married, but he meets Monica Bellucci um, and sort of begins to sort of change his mind and then a really weird, very French set of philosophical questions yeah. are posed. Oh, like every French film I've seen so far, I know I've only seen his, but like from the two hundred mentioned, they're all very weird, do you know what I mean? Like, you don't hear. I know, obviously, we're very English culture, and that, and we we don't pay attention to many other people's cultures. But like, what are like mainstream French films? Do you know what I mean like what? Like, is there not just some regular down the middle sort of? I mean, there must be. Well, have you seen um, Les Invisibles? Uh, no, but I've heard it. it's with the guy who's like, paraplegic. I've got the, the name wrong there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, and the the fellow who's sort of looking after him. I've yeah. got that to watch at some point. Well. That's meant to be. It's on like the IMDb top two fifty. So yeah. we'll watch that at some point. Um, but yeah, so French films, Jean Pierre Jeunet. We'll do uh, we'll do other French films at some point. We'll, we'll talk about Spanish and Italian films. I think the only Spanish film I've seen is Wreck or REC. Yeah, that was very. Good. We'll probably do that in the horror the horror one though, mm. uh, but not the sequels. But let's move on, shall we? Excellent. Yep. To me versus you, twenty thirteen. So, shall I go first this week? Yeah. What did you pick? Joe? I picked the Martin Scorsese epic, and I don't use the word epic. Just like willy nilly, okay. That's a car film. <laughs> willy nilly, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, this was the best film of twenty thirteen, hands down. Right? Well, what, 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 uh, by what? This? By what's, what? What do you mean epic? It's not like the genre of epic. No, no. Well, well, is it what? What would you say is epic? What? What? What constitutes epic for you? If you're taking on bridge with my well, an epic film is usually the film like set in like. So it has to be like massive battles and massive scale. That's what epic means. Yeah, like well, Roman no, times or Greek times. Or not necessarily. Epic. It's nearly three hours long. That's epic. No, I, I would definitely. I would. I would say the word epic is appropriate here because okay. it is, in terms of scale and what it sets out to achieve. It is certainly so epic. A, mo- a modern epic. Piece. Yeah, it's it's a it, and it's a sprawling story that spans you know a long period of his life. Mm. But anyway, so it's hands down the best film of twenty thirteen. Right, this is the film that Leonardo DiCaprio should have won the Oscar for. Okay, way better than The Revenant, and I think. The, the Academy knew that this, this you know, afterwards, after they didn't give it to him, this was the film he should have won for. This is his best performance, in my opinion. Um, so he should have won for that. This is the best Martin Scorsese film of this decade, of this century. Okay? Could, bold, what? what? Bold claim. Bold well, go on, name another one. The Hugo. The Departed. No, this is better. This is better. It's a good show. It's close second, but this is better. Because I'll tell you for why. Because the Korean version is better than the. Oh, you mean you must mean the Hong Kong version? Well, yeah, the Asian version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so, The Wolf of Wall Street, Martin Scorsese's best film since probably, whoa, oh, I wish I'd thought of The Departed before. <laughs> but no, Wolf of Wall Street is better than The Departed. Best film since probably Good Goodfellas. Mm, I can't think of any others he's done, like, recently. <laughs> you can't think no, of like, no, no, he's done, like, Taxi Driver and Rage and Bull, but I can't think of any, like, 90s ones. Goodfellas, right, best one since Goodfellas. It's got an amazing cast. I've never seen Jonah Hill better than this, in a fairly dramatic role. The Queerludes scene alone... Is, have you seen this film? I've never seen it. Oh, so you, he's gonna, <laughs> you can't even argue. So no, it's, it's honestly, it's excellent. I've seen it about four times, and it's nearly three hours long. It's based on a true story. It's funny. It's emotional. Yeah. <laughs> it's got it all. It's got Margot Robbie in no clothes, but that makes no bearing on whether it's a good film no or not. Bearing. But it's also Margot Robbie's breakout role, and you know she's not just a pretty face. Look, like she's done really well since. Like she, she's a good actress. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll pass it over to you, but I'm sure we'll come back to me. I and, um... So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's more written about this film in the IMDb parental guide section, Joe, than there is in anything else. So, so I just want to say it's not safe for kids. So if you're no, not... It's definitely not safe for kids. <laughs> if you are a kid, do not watch this film. <laughs> it is not suitable for you. I mean, do what you want, but well, I've got a nice wholesome film. Yeah, right. This film's gonna want to make you kill yourself. <laughs> okay. So I've chosen Inside Lewin Davis. Um, I'll give you three reasons why this film is better than The Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Coen Brothers. Martin Scorsese. Sorry, Coen Brothers. Yeah, but Martin Scorsese is better than the Coen Brothers. Right, well, we'll let the, we'll let the, um, the listeners decide, shall we? Well, we've yeah. had. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's an opinion based thing, but if you're saying that your director, director or directors is more prestigious, like you can't really. Well, like, not prestigious. No, but there's not much between. Do you know what I mean? Like that, the, the, you can't see it far and away without a question that the Coen Brothers are better than Martin Scorsese. Put it this way, right? You struggled to name many Martin. No, I, no, I was thinking of the nineties. Okay, even in this decade, though, there were there Hugo, were... The mm. Departed. Mm. What? What? That's three excellent. Okay, whereas the Coen Brothers, like I guarantee, everyone has like a, a, a film they could name like completely different. Well, yeah, everyone can name a Martin Scorsese film, but how far back do you want to go? He started in the 70s. What do you want? Taxi Driver. Raging Bull. Taxi Driver. (laughs) Keep going, Joe. Raging Bull. Um, Casino. Casino. Yeah, I think I've proved my point. Okay, so that's point number one. I've debunked it, because there's not much between them. I mean, if we're being honest, there's not much between them, but Martin Scorsese's better. (laughs) Okay, cast. We've got Oscar Isaacs. Adam Driver. Adam Driver's in it. Yeah, I can't stand him. Does he look like he wants to cry the whole way through? No, he's a very nice man. Uh, John Goodman. Yeah, yeah, John Goodman. You can't, you can't be that right, John he, Goodman. He is you, a good man. You look a bit like John. Goodman. Well, you should. Have. <laughs> <laughs> Always see it. I look like everyone. And Who do I look like earlier? Who's Ron, Ron Perlman? Yeah. Or Cape Fear. That's another one from Martin Scorsese. Great. <laughs> you can't just look it up. In the Why middle. can't I look it up? Where's the rules? Show me the rules. Mean Streets is. Pr- that's probably a one. It's not him. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. Shows how much you know. <laughs> the Aviator. Gangs of New York. <laughs> Aren't you red in the face? <laughs> no. Right away. Anyway, I have it. And you've got, you've got Justin got... Timberlake right now. Oh, wow. Now. Normally, normally I, I, anything I he watches, I wouldn't watch. But in this... Anything he fantastic. watches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I've heard he watches Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> no. he's, he's in Wolf of Wall Street. Who's not? No, he's not. Um, but he's really good at this. Usually anything he's in, I wouldn't watch, but he's... What was Social Network? He's alright, like... The Napster guy, yeah. yeah. Um, and finally, the third point, right? The music. Out of this world. It's great. Right, the music's fine. But how does that... No, but how does that mean it's better than Wolf of Wall Street? 
Mine, mine's not. To, yours is yours is the story of a musician. Mine isn't the story of a musician. No, no, this is not why it's better than Mothra. That's right. what you said. You said you said, and you put your three fingers up. Three reasons why it's better than Wolf of Wall Street. First one wasn't true. Second one, my cast is equally as good. Third one, music. <laughs> what is that? Three reasons why my film is a good film, and therefore better than Wolf of Wall Street. Oh my dears. Right, how are they? Well, what's it about? Come on, describe so, it to the people. <clears throat> well, you haven't described it. It's just a true story about this guy. Yeah, he takes drugs and he's. All right, yeah, interesting. He's, no, he's, 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 he works on like Wall Street. He scams people out of money. It's great. Comes a millionaire. Yeah. If you were describing as any animal, what would you call him? <laughs> Lion. <laughs> the Lion of Wall Street. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. So um, mine's about this guy called Louis Davis. He's not Welsh. At any point, do you go inside of him? Is it like inside out? Like you zoom inside his head and all of his emotions have hung no, themselves. but it's actually the name of his album depressed. that he, um, he's, he's made. Mm. And was, it, was it popular? It is wasn't he a, popular. Is he a popular musician? <laughs> he's not, actually. So what's happened is, it takes you into the story. Basically, Oscar Isaacs is the main character. He's a guitarist, sort of folk singer in um, Greenwich Town in New York. Mm. And his partner has just recently died. He's trying to make it as a solo artist and he's not very popular. But he's got a big chance with F. Murray Abraham which travels halfway across the country to go and perform in front of them. And um, I don't want to spoil it, so I'll leave it there. <clears throat> okay, well, this is one of your favourite films of all time, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is, yeah. I'm going to have to re-watch it, but I mean, there's no way it's better than Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, you have to watch Wolf of Wall Street to surely argue that it's... Like, you don't For know. the purposes of this argument, Joe, it is better than Wolf of Wall Street, regardless of whether or not I've seen Wolf of Wall Street. How many, um, how many best actor Oscars does uh, Oscar Isaac have? Is it zero? How many did Leo have at the time of making Wolf of Wall Street? Um, zero, but he now, at the time of recording, he has one. Right, okay, well. Who knows, by the time someone's listening to this, Oscar Isaacs might have one. Mm, for playing poor Dameron. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. I like Oscar Isaac. He's not going to win one for Annihilation. Well, you never know, he might win one for poor Dameron if he comes out as gay. Mm, yeah, but those films are rubbish, so probably not. Mm. But yeah, uh, well, we'll let the listener... Decide. <laughs> uh, but we look forward to your stick. input on just lose the glasses at gmail.com or, or on Twitter at gltgpod. And I'm not doing the capitals, I'm not doing it anymore, right? You can guess what the capitals are. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Would you say Inside Lewin Davis is the best Cobra's film? Ooh, that's a good question, Joe, because they have many good films. But would you, would you say this one, well, that one was the best? I mean, objectively, no, but subjectively, yes. Yeah. Well, you're wrong, because the best is Fargo, which we're going to talk about in our Blade review oh, yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. We should probably see up front why we didn't watch The Master, because I'm sure there's thousands of people at home going, but I watched The Master specifically I, for I this. I spent 45 pounds <laughs> buying this. <laughs> yeah. um, this but no, watched, we're, we're doing Fargo, because it's uh, we, we we found out on Tuesday that The Master's not on Netflix. It was, until a few weeks ago. Mm. So And, and they sort of maliciously removed it. Mm-hmm. So... I'm sure they heard the podcast and they thought, not on our watch. Mm. Um, so, do you yeah. think that if Netflix, if anyone from Netflix is, is listening, they want to send us a DVD version of The Master because we're deprived of watching it? Mm. I'll just put it back on Netflix. Yeah, that'd be good yeah. too. You can you email the- us on just lose the glasses of the com if you want to give us information about your uh, did you, um, setting. Did you hear the thinking of taking Roman Neumann's off clocks? Not on my watch. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ruined it. Um, okay, Fargo. Fargo, in my opinion, the best Coen Brothers film of all time. It's it's one of my favourite films of all time. I think it's excellent. Mm. Could watch it any time. Didn't watch it this week, but you could watch it any time. You could it's have watched brilliant. it. I could have exactly. Yeah. Would have happily. But it's I mean it's only like an hour and a half long, so it's it's a it's a great watch. But 
I mean, you, did you want me to do most of the talking in this bit? Yeah. No? We can we can share if you like. Okay, so Francis McDormand plays arguably the main character, shares it with uh, Jerry Lundegaard. Um, Played by William H. Missy. Yeah, which is, it's his best role, the best thing I've seen him in. It's better than Jurassic Park 3, I'll tell, <laughs> I'll tell, you, I'll tell you that. Um, and Frances McDormand won her first Oscar for this one. She did. She did, which is excellent. And she's married to one of the Coen brothers, so... Which one is it? Nepotism! <laughs> I don't know, is it Joel? Could be Ethan. It, it's one of them. It's one It's one of them. So I'm, I'm not willing to you know, <laughs> place me thing on one of them. I'll just go with... She's married to one of the Coen brothers. But no, this is an excellent film. It's a film that takes place in Minnesota. Um, Fargo and... You sure it's not Fargo, North Dakota? Mm, I'm not sure. I think it's North Dakota. Is it I think North the Dakota? TV show is set in Minnesota. Well, we're not talking about the TV. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, it takes place in America. <laughs> in the part where it snows, but it's not Alaska. Mm. Okay, And they all sound like they're from Canada. Oh, yeah. Rugged. Um, and basically there is... It's, oh, man, it's such a good film. Jerry Lundegaard, down on his luck. He's, he's, a, he's a doormat. Everyone walks over him. Um, and he, he's married... To his wife, <laughs> whose father is very rich. Mm. And um, basically the plan is he hires these two people, these inept people, played by Steve Buscemi and the guy from Prison Break, the one who gets shot in the motel, spoiler. Um, <laughs> I mean, that means nothing if you haven't seen it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who dies. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm just, in season two, so. Mm. Which yeah, was a bit? Uh, like one or two, it's early on. Mm. Yeah. Um, Good job. Yeah, it's good. Seasons one and two is good. Three and four is rubbish. But number three goes back to prison. So it's not good. <laughs> season four, they end up working for the government. I stopped watching. I was like, nah, not not about this. No prisons. They were breaking into places. They weren't breaking out. So that's not for me. Anyway, <laughs> so he hires them to kidnap his wife so that the father will pay a ransom so that they, you know they can he can have most of the ransom money because mm. he tells them they can have like fifty grand or whatever, whereas the ransom is actually like a million or whatever. Yeah. So he can. Because I'm, I'm assuming he's in debt or he needs the money for something. Well, he, he's down on his luck. This is a scene just before that happens when he's found he's he's found some investment for his yeah. father-in-law to pay into, yeah. and he's like, "How much you want for a finder's fee?" He's like, no, not a finder's yeah. fee. I want the you know yeah. the deal with you. Exactly. So yeah, he's he's got this deal lined up, but he needs he needs the the capital. He needs the money up up front. Um, but basically, they they kidnap her, and it kind of. Goes wrong. Yeah, I think it goes wrong. I would wrong. say it doesn't go to plan. Yeah. No, they're driving along with her in the back, and then they get pulled over by a policeman because, like, the brake lights out. They end up shooting the policeman, and then oh, this is like the best scene in the film. This, and then like they these two people go past, just random people go past, and they're like, "What?" Like going past, so one of them chases them down and uh, shoots them. So then Francis McDormand comes in as a heavily pregnant policewoman. She is one of the best characters in any film. I think mm. she's so good. And you know what I love is her relationship with her husband. It's like it's just like wholesome and like they just love each other. Um, and she's investigating it, and you know Jerry's getting under more and more pressure. You, you can describe some of the plot. You know what the plot Certainly, is. Certainly, yeah. So he he's obviously trying to negotiate this, and he wants to be the one who's talking to the hostage yeah. as the hostage negotiator. He doesn't go to the police. He just sort of goes through the. the he sort of like ah, oh, they've been calling and like they've been letting me know that they wanted this money and all that kind of stuff. And communicating it's that not to, real the, jittery, eh? to the father-in-law, and the father-in-law's like, let me have the phone. He's like, no, 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 because he's got to deal with them. So I can like, do this thing, eh? <laughs> I I can do it. They've been talking to me. <laughs> they trust me. They sound real jittery. <laughs> yeah. And then um, all the while. Frances McDormand is trying to investigate what's going on, so she turns up at the car dealership where this guy sort of runs it, yeah. and she's like, "Um, so we need to check your records, yeah." He goes, "I'm, I'm cooperating." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's so funny, and he's just getting like under more and more pressure as you just see him like unravel, like the bit where um, 
the father-in-law says he like he'll give him the finest bit rather than the thing and he walks out with his car he's like scraping there something he just loses it and he's yeah, like yeah. smacking the car that was great so he's like a really nice guy like you said he's a doormat well, but yeah. really underneath he's he's kind of a, it's a bit of a, a facade because he's, he's yeah, being he's nice a, but he doesn't really snake. want to be nice yeah he's a snake yeah um, and sort of what happens then in the end is Steve Buscemi makes and his partner make a huge mess out of things their relationship goes sour and um, the, the father the father goes to do the deal they end up sort of shooting each other. Steve Buscemi buries buries the money, uh, which I think is part of the show. Is, is it like a bit of the show? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes back and uh, as he's walking away, that him him and the other guy have an argument. The other criminal guy, and he like comes out with an axe and he just smacks him in the oh, it's brutal! Like it's brutal. It's a good film. And then he's like the wood chipper at the end. Basically, chops up Steve Buscemi's body, and uh, Francis McDormand finds him and she's like with the gun, like put your hands up, and he's like forcing this guy's leg into a wood chip. and it's like it's great because everything's snow like the whole film everything's snow and there's like the, the red spray of blood up. oh it's great it's, cool. it's such a it's good, good. Um, you know one of my favourite scenes is um, when they get to the cabin so they kidnap the wife they've killed these people they get to the cabin where they're going to hide out hmm. um, they let her out of the car she's got her hands tied and she's got a bag on her head yep. and she sort of runs away and she like runs into a tree because she, she can't see it's really <laughs> funny it's good yeah I mean, it, like it's, it's. I mean, I think it's typical with Coen Brothers films is there's, there's dark themes, like mm. you know, like the things they talk about is very serious. You know, people dying, people being kidnapped, things like that. But it's it's hilarious, like yeah, it's yeah. so funny, um, and it's so clever the way it's made. So that when you look at it, there's so much symbolism. Yeah, obviously with the barren environment, the way they frame a lot of shots, like the one I was saying about when Jerry goes and he's sort of hitting his car on that. There's a wide shot where you just see the car in the middle and it's very small and you just see him slowly come across the frame just showing that he's alone something, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's so good. much symbolism. And the framing of the shots, like the point when um, she, she the, the policewoman, goes back to interview him again, you see him through the window and you see the, uh, the, the blinds down, like the, I don't know how you describe them, like single blinds go along like vertically and it's like, it looks like he's in a prison cell. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. Cause, so like the, as he gets more and more like trapped, basically by his own, he's hoisted by his own petard, basically, mm. and he's sort of getting trapped and trapped in this until he has to do a runner. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and it, sort of what it is is sort of like it squeezes the character until he does stuff that he wouldn't normally do, yeah. or he wouldn't sort of like to do anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like he goes to the crime scene, and and the, the, the weird thing is, he's got a loving family. He's mm. got a lovely wife, a lovely son. He ha- he has a maybe not the the perfect life he wanted, but he's got a, a life that most people would kill for. Well, that's. I think that's the very hinge of the whole film. So if you kind of watch it closely, all of the characters who are, what do you call it, the bad characters, yeah. they all have thing, like nice things, yeah. but they want more. So it's yeah. all like kind of like greed. Exactly. Whereas Francis McDormand and her husband, like, so he enters in like a, a competition. And the very, the very last scene, yeah, yeah, the very last scene is like, how, how'd you do, honey? He's like, oh, I came second. And she's like, well, well done. You know, yeah. they're really content with being yeah, second. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the thing. Like, it's, it, there's like a mirror of, you know, uh, Jerry has everything that he should need and want. I mean, he's even got a father-in-law. Obviously, the father-in-law doesn't like him, doesn't want to give him money. But like, he's financially, he's pretty sorted. Do you know what I mean, yeah. like, he would give it to his like the father would give it to the the daughter, who's the wife, and she would share it with him. Like, he's got everything he'd want, but his greed mm. is what drives him to this. Whereas the Francis McDormand character, that's what I was saying about the the relationship with Norm, her husband. They're just content with each other. They have a small, simpleish life, and they're just happy. Yeah. And it's beautiful. I the, the scene as well when she goes to meet uh, that Chinese fella she went to school with at the buffet, oh, yeah. and he's like hitting on her and that, and he like tries to go around and get next to her, and she's like, no, no, like sit by the way. But she does it really nicely. But yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's, it's such a good. It's film. a very good film. It's a very good film. Very quotable. Yeah, it's like one of the cool things about it, right, is that it's a film that was made in the nineties. Um, 
and it's like like you said really sort of serious issues and like big sort of serious plot elements but almost a comedy at yeah, the same yeah. time dark comedy and there's been like sort of nothing like that until the TV show came out really yeah, exactly. and it's almost sort of gone for like a Fargo-ism yeah um, but it's it's so iconic as well like you, again like we're saying with um, the Jeunet films you could see a frame of Fargo and straight away you'd be like it's Fargo, it's Fargo do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. um, great soundtrack for the film as well 100% and like we're saying about the symbolism you, you could watch it again and again and see something new every time because mm. it, it is meticulously made and like every frame is set up in a certain way for a certain reason yeah. like you see when um, she's interviewing him uh, the way the cameras are framed at showing like who's sort of winning in the conversation yeah, yeah who's yeah. in control the shot of her starts really good yeah exactly so he sort of starts off like that but then gradually she takes control of the scene and it's great it's so good Really interesting thing about Fargo, right? So at the very start of it, it says this is a true story. Yeah. The events depicted took place in Minnesota in such and such a year. Minnesota. Sorry, no, could be a TV show actually. Well, whatever. Yeah. North Dakota yeah. in this such a year. Uh, there were questions of survivors. The names have been changed. Out of respect for the dead, the rest have been told exactly as occurred. Now you don't know if you know this, but it's not true at all. No. Yeah. I feel like all films do. Well, the one the one thing that is true is about the wood chipper. Really, but not in the effect, sort of the sequence that happened. But, but there was someone, someone who put, did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another interesting sort of um, it's not symbolism, but Jerry. Every time he speaks to, um, well, not everyone, but basically the men that he speaks to, no one respects him. Hmm. When he speaks to the father at the beginning, the father's watching TV. He's got his back to him. Doesn't turn around to speak to him. His boss, when he goes to speak to his boss, his boss is watching TV. He doesn't turn around. So it just shows through little subtle things that no one has respect for him and maybe that's what he wants he wants that respect that's why mm. he's going for the deal and it's just little things like that that without seeing or yeah. without overtly showing yeah, yeah. apart from with the father where it's quite clear but without overtly showing it's showing that this is a downtrodden man who no one has respect mm. for and I, th- I just think that's it's really interesting another cool interesting, uh, interesting thing was um, the whole thing about not being true the bit Towards the end, where he buries the money in the snow, yeah. Someone thought this was true, and they went and looked for the money, and they yeah. died looking for the money. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. And then there was a film made about him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you've seen a couple of episodes of the TV show, haven't you? I've seen the first few. Yeah. I, I mean, I recommend this film. It's brilliant, and the TV show. I think series one anyway does a fantastic job of sort of yeah. keeping up with it. They've got lots of Fargoisms in it. Yeah. Um, the main character in the TV show is called Lester Nygaard, played by yeah. Martin Freeman, Martin. and he's basically. A, He's just like he's acting the role yeah, of Jerry. He's Lundigard. got some of the same lines as well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then there's a couple of things right in season two as well. The whole woodchipper thing yeah. is kind of played up with this butcher early on, yeah. and he, he he ends up killing someone. Yeah. and to get rid of the body, he puts it in this meat grinder. Really? Yeah. Does the TV show take place like before the film? So well, season one takes place in the 2006, and then season two is like the 79. 2006. Yeah. Is it? Takes place and it was released in two thousand. No, I know, I know. Yeah. So it's, so that takes place after the original, but yeah. then the other ones take place before. Before, yeah. All right. Okay. So what would you give this out of ten? I would give Fargo a nine out of ten. Yeah, I would. I would give it, and this is a rare. You know, this is a ten out of ten for me. Wow. This is a wow. ten out. This is like this is a perfect film for me. One hundred percent. Could watch this any time. One last. Apart from in preparation for this. <laughs> any any time. Why not? Yeah. Um. One last bit of trivia for you. One of the Corn brothers, I don't know which one it was, but yeah. It was either Joel or... Either the one who's married to friends is the one who's not, right? Yeah. Um, he said, uh, when asked if it was a true story, he said, well, it's in the genre of a true story. <laughs> but it's not a true story. What is that? That means nothing. That, yeah. That's like an empty answer. But yeah, so that is a rare 10 out of 10 for me. So wow. yeah, 
there, won't, there, won't, there won't be many of them, so, you know, take note, you know, just put this in your diary, this is a special day. Let's move on. Blatant Refuse. Blatant Refuse. I'm excited. excited. So this so, is this is the bit I look forward to most of the podcast. This is the only bit I don't know what's coming. So if if you walk into a shop, Joe, this film could be like one of the first things you see. Um, because on a shelf, yeah, because alphabetically ordered, it's like one of the first things. It's ten thousand BC. I've seen this film. You've seen this film a long time ago, like so, when I was a kid, and I was watching anything. I'm gonna give a case for it. It's from the director of Independence Day and Day After Tomorrow. No, <laughs> I know that you're thinking, "Whoa, he's gonna reject this film." <laughs> Roland Emmerich, right? Okay. I also uh, did the the bad Godzilla. <laughs> did he? Yeah. He, he's, yeah, yeah he's, Which like, one's the good one? The one that came out a few years ago. The better, the better Godzilla. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, what it's about? It's about Neanderthal man. Surviving against CGI mammoths and saber tigers. Yeah. Now, I suspect they're kind of trying to show this Neanderthal man as like an Atticus Finch type hero kind of guy. Um, moral hero. Opposed mm. to like sort of what he probably would have been. If, if a Neanderthal man existed, he'd be like an unscrupulous, selfish, kind of cannibalistic kind of guy. Just out for his own little tribe or family. Um, I don't know if I could root for anything in Neanderthal film. Did you root for the film when you watched it? Do you want to know what the plot is? Uh, not really. It's pretty similar to what you said. Really? Yeah. Um, it's, have you seen Apocalypto? Mel Gibson's one? Yeah. No, I haven't. That's a really good film. Really, really, like, genuinely really good. That's also technically a foreign language film, Ooh. but it's in Mayan. So, like, it's not, it's a dead language. But uh, from what I can remember, it's kind of like he lives in a simple tribe. And then there's, like, some, I think it's the, I think it's the Egyptians. I don't know how this works. Mm. Come along, sort of steal his family, take them for slaves, and he sort of tries to save them. That, mm. And others, like, a girl that he loves, sort of tries to save. So it's essentially. Every other hero's journey you've ever seen. The only thing I really remember is towards the end, the sl- all the slaves have been forced to like build the pyramids, and there's like mammoths and stuff, like dragon big stones. It's, I mean, I don't know if this is. It's, it's clearly a fictionalized version, but like you do know what I mean, based on a true story. <laughs> well, the names have been changed <laughs> to protect the those involved. But yeah, so it's it's just it was it wasn't good. Mm. But it was a long time since I've seen it. Okay. Well. um... I don't know if you know this, Joe, but 105 US dollars, no, 105 million US dollars were spent on this film. I imagine most of that went into CGI. Mm. Um, I or think... a time machine, and they went back to 10,000 <laughs> and, and they filmed it. It's a true story. <laughs> I think the film was actually made by another Neanderthal man. Yeah. And I think, really, it was probably, the target audience was, again, Neanderthal man. Yeah, I like it. Um, if I was to make a better version of this film, I don't think it's possible. But go I on. would write, I would make a satire, right? And this Neanderthal man would be a vegetarian sort of feminist social justice warrior, right? <laughs> I also hashtag, um, <laughs> <laughs> and he opposes like the killing of animals. Neanderthal lives matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then like at the end of the film, it's just him getting him and his family getting mauled by a attack of zebras <laughs> because he's against the killing of animals, and he just. So it dies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I mean it can't be any worse than mm. what we got. So yeah, I'm I'm all I'm all for that. Is that the end of the show? <laughs> that's the end of the show. I think that's the end of the show. Yeah. So where can the where can the people find us if they would like to find us? Sunderland. On, on the internet though. <laughs> they can find us on JLTG Pod. That's on Twitter. Or they can find us on Just Lose the Glasses at gmail.com They could. Um, au revoir, mes amis. That's right, isn't it? That was correct, yep. Yeah. Do you want to say something in French before we go? This is, the, this is your chance. This is my chance. We'll never be doing a French episode again. Okay, well, in the, in the words of Del Boy, Monge 2. I am Optimus Prime, leader of the Autobots. Run, Sam!
<laughs> okay, let me guess. Is that Jar Jar? You, you stopped it. That was a great impression, and you just go on then. Do yours. You're. Um... I'm cooperating. Oh, oh yeah, really good. Thanks, Han. Which Transformer is that? <laughs> was it Bumblebee? Oh, balls. Um, is that Jerry Lundegaard then? Jer- Jerry, no, Lester Nygaard. Who's, Jer- who's Jerry Lundegaard? This isn't good for the <laughs> Jerry Lundegaard is the guy from the film. Lester Nygaard is the guy from the TV show. Oh, He's basically yeah. based on him. 